This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. Now... He did also play. Danny Etling all over again. No, no, no. I want you to take that back right now. Don't insult. That's so insulting to Malik Cunningham. He is another. Can we just have Danny Etling is closer to me athletically than he is to Malik Cunningham. Can we just just have a team where Malik Cunningham is not going to make or break the season? That's what I think I said after. After that, I think that's no, where I was you, headed. You said, "Why does Malik Cunningham have to be a thing?" Right? Why does it have to matter? Okay, but but why? there's a difference between. Do you it, think? Do you think the Eagles, who are on the TV behind me, so that's why I just thought of it? Did you think the Eagles are going into training camp thinking about the UDFA quarterback that they might switch to wide receiver, who might switch to running back? So okay, and they're going in, they're saying. This guy could be it. This could be the X first factor all, that puts us over the Chiefs next year. First of all, no, because the they have Eagles, AJ Brown and they have Devontae Smith and they have Jalen Hurts playing quarterback, so they they have first world problems. This is we're we're better than this. First of all, we're better than this. First of all, Evan Lazar, Eagles, Alex Barth, catch twenty two. The Eagles quarterback that they might switch to whatever, yeah, is a quarterback who might switch to tight end. He was undrafted, not this year, but he was undrafted. And his name is Tyree Jackson. Who yeah. at one point was one of your favorite players. I, I did like Tyree. So you would talk he about was, Tyree uh, Jackson. He was you buff Cam Newton. You yeah, know? like yeah. he was. He was that level. There's somewhere Cam out Newton. there in the internet. I don't have the picture anymore. Somewhere on Twitter, or something I, I, is a picture I of Tyree, like Malik six Cunningham. foot nine Tyree Jackson standing next to five foot seven. Ed yeah, it's kind of like the people that have seen like the Trent Brown Mike Reese photo. It's, it's yeah. similar to that. Yeah, oh, but it's better because you don't have the step stool. The other thing is, I, I don't think anybody's sitting here saying Malik Cunningham is going to make or break the season, but he's a fun story. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's I'm not. I'm sorry. It is. It nope. is a fun story. He's a it's very not. athletic guy. Totally unknown how they're going to use him. It's a little interesting. It's not it's interesting. A, Evan, you know this you know as well as anybody. Do you know what's interesting, Alex? It's a long tra- spring. It's a long training camp. You can't just talk about the top 10 players on the roster. you got to find those other stories. Okay, but do you know what's interesting? What? Keishon Butte is interesting. Demario Douglas is interesting. Evan, there's Malik, Malik Cunningham is not interesting. 30 days of training camp. We're going to get another yeah. six spring practices, three preseason games. The indoor practice is we'll going to be— We'll get the schedule tonight. We'll, there's we'll, going to be— well, We know. Well, no, this is the this is the schedule leading up to that. <laughs> there's going to be plenty of time. we got a lot of time to talk about a lot of players. Nobody's sure. saying we can't talk about those guys, and, and too. And we're going to talk about a lot of players today. We're going to uh, preview kind of the— Reset, I think is a better word. Reset the offensive side of the ball. Uh, play a little better, worse, or same. This is an idea that uh, I think Mike Reese did it first, so we're, we're kind of taking it from Mike, but it was a good idea. Uh, we're going to do off- Mike's the goat. We're so. going to do offense today, and then uh, next week we'll do defense because Alex and I can get long-winded, and if we try to do both sides of the ball, we'd hear, be here for three hours. So uh, that's the goal is to do offense this week, defense next week. We will uh, touch a little bit on some schedule stuff. Uh, we're in kind of a – we're in a little bit of a gray area here, Alex, that we can talk about the things that have already been announced. We can talk about some rumors, but we're a little it's a little bit of a touchy subject. And Well, look, the reality is, and we truly appreciate everybody who watches the pod live or listens yeah. to it live, and we thank you, but there's a lot of people who, you know, maybe will listen right. to it tonight or tomorrow, and at that point we'll know the schedule. So, right, right. Uh, it's not exactly, it doesn't have a very good uh, shelf life to talk as, about schedule rumors. As long as the show is just one day a week, we kind of want to make it as evergreen as possible and discussing schedule 
schedule yes. possibilities when the schedule will come out tonight. Six hours. Uh, you know, kills kills is, is it still six hours. So there are a couple of things about the schedule. Uh, first of all, just for me personally, not being a, you you have the whole thread. It's not this team. It's not that. I call it schedule Sudoku. That. The fact that I don't need to worry about that anymore because we just don't do that around here is is actually refreshing. I'm actually glad that I, I'm not sitting here re- refreshing my phone every 30 seconds saying, oh, what game did we get leaked this time? Uh, the second thing is, is and I, I really genuinely want to put this out there for two reasons. One, I want to give kudos to the people uh, that worked on our schedule release that's all I'm going to say. That worked on our schedule release because I'm not going to get in trouble of telling, giving any hints of what it is. Uh, worked on our schedule release because I, I'll tell you this has been months in the in the making, and uh, it, it it took a ton of work. Uh, you know, a lot of the people yeah. that were involved. It, it's uh, it's really going to be a cool thing, and I think fans are going to love it. So I want to give all those guys props that and gals uh, that worked on it because it, it's really going to be awesome stuff. And uh, the second, the last thing I'll say uh, about the schedule is. We do know a couple of things that we think we know, right? And one of them, in, in concretely, is obviously Colts Patriots in yeah. Frankfurt, in Germany. Uh, one of the things that I, I'm going to find fascinating, though, just as a general topic on the schedule. We talked a little bit about this offline yesterday, Alex. Last year was my first year I missed one game, Miami. Remember, I had COVID. Couldn't yes. go to Miami. But they traveled for the whole week to Miami. Right. And we traveled the whole week to Vegas in the preseason. Yeah. We traveled the whole week for Miami. Then we traveled that week out in, out west with Vegas right. and it was, Arizona. It was Ari- uh, Arizona, then was. Vegas. Yeah. This year, we already know we have Germany. Yeah. So that's already going to be time change, long flight, probably four or five days out there, uh, I would assume. That's just a guess. I'm not saying anything. Uh, I do wonder... Based off of how this schedule is structured, I'm really fascinated to see if they maybe go back a little bit on all of the, let's call it, extended travel, right? The extended stays. Not to, look, you can't control who you play. We know that. The opponents, you can't control that. You got to go out to Vegas this year again. You got to go to Denver. Got to go to Dallas. You got to make those trips. That, that, that That's what's on the schedule. But the point I'm getting at from a competitive standpoint is I'm not 100% sure that all of the extended travel that we did last year truly benefited the team. And I think you can go one way or the other with these things. I think sometimes those those West Coast trips where we stayed out at in Arizona at a great resort out there in uh, in Tucson, I think it was uh, for the like that could be a team bonding. You could rally around it. Everybody could really you know you could sing Kumbaya before bed every night, and all of a sudden you're you go on a run because you 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 did that. I think what the fourteen team right I think had that it was like Chargers or something like that out out west, and they did that. There are some pockets of this schedule that are set up that you could potentially get one of those trips again. Uh, we know the rumors that they could be doing a, quite a bit of joint practices on the road uh, during the summer in, in the preseason and in training camp. I'm interested to see how they set up this schedule with those West Coast games or the you know the time zone change games. How much of that are we are, are we going to be staying out there for an extended period of time? Well, selfishly because I want to know what my life's going to look like, but also from a team competitive standpoint, I, I do wonder if they reverse course on that a little bit. I know that we both heard in various ways Miami uh, the the trip out uh, west uh, late in the year. 
that it threw some people off. It did. It, it threw some people off. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes uh, with this schedule this year. Uh, are there any like things in the schedule that you look for in particular, though, Alex? Like I know the bye week obviously is a big yeah. one, primetime games. But is there one thing in terms of trends or anything like that that you're you're kind of honing in on? So every year, the only thing I want from schedule releasing, we know the opponents, right? The yes. one thing I want above all else is Week 12 bye. And I know that's not like the ideal bye week. I, Ernie or Adam said in the schedule release last year yeah. was week 10. Right. I think like that 9 to 12 range is probably the best, but yeah. it's Thanksgiving. It'd be nice to have Thanksgiving off. Also, selfish. Well, uh, yeah, no, it is totally selfish. Yeah. It is on my bucket list to go to the Iron Bowl. Alabama, this so Auburn. Selfish. This is, and what, what is it's the, like the only way I'll ever be able to do it. For the Patriots in terms of the competitive No, you asked what I look for. You asked what I look for. And you're for. just talking about how you want to go to the Iron Bowl, so you hope that the bye week is the week of the Iron Bowl. Um, <laughs> no, just in terms of – no, honestly, this is like kind of – the way I, I already know who they're playing. The, right. the stuff I really look at, yeah, obviously the bye week and how many weeks in a row are you on the road? When do they go down to Miami? But the stuff like specific to this year is more out-of-the-box stuff because yeah. that's what's more fun anyway. Um, Gillette Stadium hosting Army Navy December 9th, oh, yeah. which would be week 14. Can't wait for that. So, but like, say it seriously because it's I, awesome. I I'm also a company man, so I can't wait for that. You going? I don't, I don't know if I have to go. Do I have to go? You should go. It's incredible. I, I was there last year. Everybody should go. <laughs> it is unbelievable. And I, I'm not a company man. I'm saying that. it is unbelievable. Um, you're, you're kind of a company man. So, uh, anyway, that's December 9th, week 14. Yeah. In theory... You could have back-to-back. Like, they could play that game here Saturday, and the Patriots could play Sunday. I don't think that would be... There's, they did it in Washington a couple years ago, there but... There is no bigger slap in the face to Bill Belichick than putting the Patriots on the road the week of So Army that's Navy what I'm saying. It's There's like, no way we're on the well, road for that Or week. is it like, do they play Thursday night, right? So he's just back and he can enjoy it. You know, something like that. I, I Whatever the way the schedule is structured... Bill is going to be at that game. So I think that means either home game Sunday or Monday or just a game Thursday, home or road. Right. Right, because if they're on the road Thursday, he'll be back. That'd be fine. Yeah, we come um, back right after the game. So, some yeah. of the other um, intricacies. Do you know the stat about the Niners from last year? No. The Niners, uh, teams last year, the week after facing the Niners, were 0-16. Oh. The Chiefs won after they played the Niners, but they had a bye week in between. Okay. So no team won after playing the Niners. Whatever you want to make of that, you can make of it. But the Patriots and Niners have five common opponents this year. The entire NFC East and Pittsburgh. So, obviously, you know, it, if they play a team week one, that wouldn't count. But, right. you know, see where those teams are on the schedule. Are they the week after the Niners? And uh, I thought I had one other thing, but I guess that's it. Army Navy. It's going to be Iron awesome, man. I'm not Iron Bowl. All right, so we'll we'll keep an eye on Twitter, as we always do. If there is an official... Not a rumor, not a leak. We're not going to touch those. But if there is an official announcement of any kind about a Patriot game, we'll, we'll obviously break in and, and talk about that. Uh, we're going to get to the better, worse, or same. Uh, I'm going I'm to take this call from Patty from Agawam first, though, and then we can clear the calls and, and things like that, and then we can uh, we can get into better, worse, same so we don't have any any breakups in the in our flow here. So, uh, Patty, uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jim? Hey. Uh, so I know Todd in North Carolina said last week if you guys were going to do position by position breakdown, um, and I guess if uh, if you do, I'm just I'm interested to hear um, how you guys would evaluate Mac and Bailey in the quarterback position and like where you would rank that in terms of position groups on the team, and if you feel like Mac with Bill O'Brien 
I mean, he doesn't have that number one guy, that quote-unquote number one guy. Do you see him surpassing what he did in his rookie year, too? That's all I got, guys. Thanks for the call, Pat. It's a good segue. That sets us up perfectly because yeah. I was going to start with the quarterbacks, for better or worse, same. And I'll just read, I'm going to read off everybody on the roster so that okay. everybody knows all the names. I think everybody knows the names on this one. Uh, Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. Trace McSorley currently still under contract in the quarterback room, and I do have Malik Cunningham with the quarterback. Until we now. see him run around, I think he's a quarterback. So we'll find out, and, and that's another thing, kind of housekeeping thing. Uh, in a couple weeks, we will be out at OTAs. So if he's with the receivers at that point, then I will obviously move him um, from the quarterback room to the wide receiver room. Uh, but right for right now, I have Malik Cunningham there. Uh, Alex, are the Patriots better, worse, or the same at quarterback? I think it's kind of hard to say that they're better or worse when it's it's basically the same two guys, right? It's Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. I mentioned Matt, Bill O'Brien and kind of getting back to 2021 or maybe even better for Mac Jones. So I guess yeah. you could make that argument that just by nature of Bill O'Brien being here, uh, that the performance or the play of the quarterback room should be better. But the names are the names. Like the the, play, yeah. the the players themselves are the same uh, for the most part. But I'm willing to say better because of Bill O'Brien. So maybe that's a little bit of a cop out. So I, I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't thinking about it in that sense. I was thinking about just the players. I, I think the quarterback play will be better with yeah. Bill O'Brien. If I had to just evaluate the room, I'd actually say a little worse because they lose that veteran presence of Brian Hoyer. And how much, I, I I agree. Here where you're saying. So I you're they gonna ask m- me how much does that matter? I, I'm gonna I don't know how much it mattered to them. Because Brian Hoyer to me should have mattered. <laughs> Brian Hoyer to me feels like somebody that they kind of viewed as someone that was asking too many questions. Who's them? What do you mean? Who's them? I think the other quarterbacks appreciated having him there. Let me put it that way. Uh, I don't disagree with that. Okay. I don't. So, I think some of the pushback on the offensive coaching staff, which we are both on the record saying very warranted. Yeah. Okay. But I think some of the pushback on the offensive coaching staff last year came from certain guys that are no longer here. That's fair, but yeah. I don't wouldn't necessarily say it was the right move to get rid of those guys. Okay, I that's fair. Having Brian Hoyer in that room, a veteran quarterback who's seen a lot of football, I think yeah. brought inherent value. How much value? You could say it's not a lot. That's fine. But and again, I, I'm parsing here, like really splitting hairs here. Yeah. Right. Like I, if I have to pick one, I. You know how I always try to do the outside-the-box answers? I'm actually yes. trying to stick to the exercise this time. If I have to say better or worse, I think it's worse because I think even if it was very okay. minimal, there was value in having Brian Hoare's experience in that room. They don't have it anymore. That's pretty much it. Uh, I like what McSorley and we'll see with Cunningham bring his potential scout team guys, but right. you can you know they had corners playing scout team quarterback to get that athletic yeah. guy in there, right? Right. I think Brian Hoyer's knowledge and experience was valuable. That's fair. That's fair. I didn't really think of it that way because, again, I don't think uh, the uh, the ambiguous they, I don't necessarily think they think of it that way based off of last so year. So I'm just thinking. Like, why else? Because they, it cost them money to move oh, on no, from I, Brian I agree Hoyer. with you. I agree so with you. So they are paying Brian Hoyer right not to be here. But I don't think it was the right move. That's fair. And I'll say that I, I am, and you, you, so you're factoring in a lot of the coaches, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. I am just looking at the four guys in the room, or however, at whatever position. I'm just looking at... The collection at, of... Right. You know, when, when you know, they go into that meeting, yeah. not who's at the front of the room leading it, who's sitting in the chairs. Yeah. And that is, you went from Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, Brian Hoyer, Garrett Gilbert, yeah. to Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, 
Trace McSorley, Malik Cunningham. Those are I'm comparing A to B. That's it. Okay, so so we don't get too caught up in the yeah. in the minutia here, and the as we tend to do. I guess the other question with the quarterbacks before we move on is, do you feel as though we will get out to training camp in August and it will look anything like a competition? Like, remember in 21, we were both here covering the team. Mac Jones and Cam Newton were clearly in a competition. And I would actually say that they they tried their best to make it look like Cam was QB1 and it wasn't really a competition. But what would happen, just so that when we get into this, people remember us kind of yeah. breaking this down, Cam would get that first drive. So whenever Cam, whenever they broke into team, like whenever it got into 11-on-11s 11 or even 7-on-7, seven seven, we all had to say that Cam Newton was the first quarterback in the huddle. Right. But Cam would lead a single drive. He'd run like four yeah. or five plays. And then Mac Jones would run the next 25. Or, or or whatever you know, right. number it ended up being. And you'd get to the end of the day, and Cam would have attempted 12 passes in practice, and Mac Jones would have attempted 30 in practice. And that was our first and a lot of people's first taste because Brady was here and there was no quarterback competition in right. the summer. At the most, we did it with backup quarterback. Right. Like, remember, uh, was it Stidham and Stidham and and Hoyer. 19? Stephen yeah. Hoyer, yeah, was yeah, the last and one. and I was thrilling. I was here for the COVID year in twenty with with Cam and uh, that was Stidham, never a but that was but that was also just I, neither one of them were great, <laughs> so yeah, it, it yeah, was yeah. kind of just picking at straws. So, what do you think that this would result? Because now I think we know a little bit. Okay, if Bailey is reps wise, if they're about even, and Zappy's throwing with some regulars you know if he's breaking the huddle and it's Tyquan Thornton going one direction and Kendrick Bourne going like right. you kind of have an idea of all right you know this is sort of a competition do you feel like that's going to happen this summer or do you feel like they're going to commit to Mac and and we're going to go down that route? I think they're going to go back and forth it and you just hit on it it's not necessarily about the number of reps yeah and it was easier to explain away in 2021 because Oh, Mac's a rookie. He needs the right. reps. Cam's been here, right? And if you looked at That's it... That's how they got us, though. Well, but even though Mac was running more reps, he was running them mostly with the second team. Yeah. So, it was, yeah, he threw twice as many passes, but he was out there with the second offense, right? Right. None of the starters, or all the starters, had half as many reps as the backups. Yeah. So, like, it's... it Maybe from a bird's eye view, it looked like a competition, but it sort of clearly wasn't until that practice against the, the Giants, Giants when Cam missed it and Mac tore him up, right? Yeah. It's a little less clear this year because you can't necessarily come in and say, well, Bailey needs the reps. Right. Right? About the same experience. So it's going to be harder for them to hide whether or not it's competition because the other thing is, you know, it's going to come down to who's working with who. Right? If Mac Jones runs 10 reps and Bailey Zappi runs 20 reps, but Mac Jones is throwing to Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster and Bailey Zappi's throwing to, you know, Trey Nixon. Right. Well, okay, he ran twice as many reps, but he's throwing to guys who aren't going to make the team. Yeah. Right? So... It's you know, it's, it's always a it's going to be about who they're throwing to, not necessarily the number of reps. And I would also say a dead giveaway for people that come out to training camp, and hopefully there will be a, plenty of those opportunities this summer. The offensive line, because the starting five is a starting five, right? And I and I know that we're not necessarily supposed to report these things uh, specifically, but like, who's David Andrews snapping the ball to? Yeah, 
if David Andrews ain't snapping the ball to Bailey Zappi. But Evan, they're both getting and, snaps from guys named Andrews. If it's Jake Andrews or it's Cody <laughs> Russi or it's James Ferentz and Matt and David Andrews is attached to Mac Jones's hip as the only center that's snapping the ball to Mac Jones all summer long, then we know who's QB one, right? Like that. Right. that those are the types of things that we look for as well. I I actually come on the other side of this. I think that this is going to be, and I, this is just gut. I have no infra, inside information, but I, I, I think that this is going to be a commitment to Mac Jones, at least to start the season. And I think the only way that you can properly do that, and I say that because, let's face it, we both talked about this enough, but they did not properly handle the position last year. Right. The only way that you can properly commit to Mac Jones in the summer and really try to hit the ground running and, and basically act like last year didn't happen and just kind of make it feel as much as you can uh, like you're picking up from the end of 2021 and you're going into right. you know a, a fake year, year two, but year three, is to, to really just go down that road and not make it as any sort of question. Now, I think that that's how it's going to start. If Mac Jones gets into the regular season and struggles – then I think that that will open the door for yeah. Bailey Zappi. But I think it's Mac Jones' job to lose. I think it's his job to lose for the time being. I think year three of Mac Jones with Bill O'Brien here is a big year for the organization to figure out what they have in Mac Jones. So I, I don't think it's going to be a truly full-scale competition of any sort in training camp. And I think that they're committed to Mac. I, I think that Bill uh, Belichick tried to – when Greg Bedard asked him during the draft – it was, was it bouquets of flowers throw it at Mac Jones and that, no not necessarily but I do think that he tried to say some some things to kind of squash a little bit yeah. of that you know and, and, and I, I think that there's going to be a, a real qu- clear message once we get out to camp and the last thing I'll say about the quarterbacks and and I you can weigh in on this too but I I feel really strongly about this isn't that what you want like as a Patriots fan isn't what you want is for us to get out there, even in the spring, even in a couple weeks, and see Mac Jones like commanding things, like Mac yeah. Jones being a leader, Mac Jones having that swagger back, having that. Com- Remember, even before, I know everybody and I, myself included, sometimes falls into this Travis saying Mac wasn't on board with what was going on last year from the jump. In in the spring, he was he was kind of bouncing around. Remember, yeah. you know, he was making some good downfield throws, obviously without pads and a live pass rush, and then we all learned that as soon as the pads came on in uh, August, that kind of went out the door. But uh, I, I, isn't that what you want? Don't you want Mac to take the QB1 job by the reins and the bull by the horns, whatever you know, cliche you want to use, and not have question marks about that position? I, I feel right. like that's a big thing for me is like a lot of people – I think just love the drama and I get that we're in that business, right? Of uh, uh, the drama feeds the beast, but isn't it better as a Patriot fan that Mac Jones actually works out and has a good year and like is, is the man from the jump and there's no questions and we're not in August talking about court. Cause if we're in August talking about quarterback competitions and this is my, my whole take on this, right? They don't have a quarterback, right? Guess what? They don't have a quarterback. It's not Bailey Zappi. It's not Matt. They don't have a quarterback. So I hope that Mac Jones proves that they do have a quarterback. That's that's what I'm optimistic about. It's the easiest path forward. Yeah, I, and I, I hope that's the case. So that's your quarterbacks. You think it's going to be a little bit of competition, though? You think that door is, is 
is already. I think they ajar. want it to be. I think Mac can win it, but I think they want yeah. it to be. Yeah. You, you think we've gone through this whole summer and they're going to come out and Mac's going to be the unquestioned starter? Or sorry, this whole winter of... I like to think that cooler heads will prevail. Maybe that's just the optimist in me, I, I, but I like to think that cooler heads are going to prevail and what you just mentioned, it's the cleanest path. It's the cleanest path forward and I think last year, and I hope that they they would agree, last year... The Bailey Zappy, the Zappy Fever. Let's face it, Zappy Fever did no, nobody any favors. It did nobody any favors. It didn't make the team better. It didn't make Mac Jones better. It didn't make any of it better. It it caused it caused drama and it, and quite frankly, more importantly internally, it caused friction. Right. So that did nobody any good. So going and setting up that again. And I think that was what was so bonkers about the situation last year. The, the we always go back to the Chicago game. They set it up like they did it to themselves to an extent to create all the noise about the quarterbacks. Oh yeah. So avoiding that uh, this year by you know coming out in camp and, and kind of putting the weight behind Mac Jones, I think is important. All right, let's move on to the running backs. And if you want to weigh in, eight five five Pats five hundred is the phone number. You can email in webradio at patriots.com and uh, we'll uh, love your opinion on all this this stuff. And I, I know some people, Alex, I don't feel the same way that I do about Mac Jones. They want to see they want to see the competition. So maybe, maybe you feel that way. All right, uh, moving on to running backs. This one's interesting because there, there is some turnover here, you know, maybe a little bit more significantly than the top of the quarterback depth chart. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, the guy we just spoke to this morning, James Robinson, uh, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, Ty Montgomery, and J.J. Taylor. So historically speaking, Alex, they keep four running backs. Yeah. Four guys. It's been three at times, though, because they'll throw somebody in the practice squad that right. they can elevate. But four guys, I think, is safe to assume out of this group because I think there are going to be yeah. four rosterable running backs to come out of this group. We know Ramondre Stevenson's a lock. I would like to think we can confidently say that Pierre Strong is probably a lock too, just because of his draft status last year. And cutting a fourth-round pick in year two seems a little bit unrealistic. But from there, it's really anybody's game. And I look at a guy like James Robinson, who I I think could add some things to this team. And I'm I'm interested to see what he's got in training camp. I think that he could help. James Robinson has basically no guaranteed money given to him on his contract he's a very for lack of a better word uh cuttable player at the moment if he doesn't look reinvigorated if he doesn't look like he has any juice uh, he's a very he's a player that they could move on from pretty easily so i look at this and i think Ramondre stevenson and, and pierre strong yeah. are really the only two guys that i feel like are definitely going to be on this team i think the the Three and four spot are kind of up from grabs at that point. Uh, so better, worse, or same at the running back position. I think worse, you know, starting off. There's a yeah. chance they end up better because if Pierre Strong emerges as a pass catching back, now you don't have to run Ramondre Stevenson in the ground right. like they did last year. So he's fresher down the stretch. You have a good pass catching back. If Kevin Harris develops, you have that, you know, bowling ball, short yardage, secondary early down back behind Ramondre. Yeah. And then you just need one of James Robinson or Ty Montgomery to develop as an option, yeah. right? As just a depth player. And yeah. I don't think any of that's unrealistic, but coming in, they lost Damian Harris. They don't have a clear-cut pass catching back. They have candidates between Strong and Robinson yeah. and Montgomery, but that's got to be sorted out. So um, 
I'll say initially they're worse, but there's upside there. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I, I don't want to say they're better because I, I do feel like Damian Harris was a good Patriot, and I don't want to undersell him in terms of what he brought to the table. I know he was injured a lot the last couple of years, especially last year. That that hurt, right? That that hurt his right. his Patriot tenure. I I actually love I, – I criticize their roster management a lot. I actually really love how they handle running backs. I think they do it exactly how you should do it uh, for the most part. Third and fourth round picks, recycle them every three or four years. Never get married to any of these guys, right? You never, you know, commit right. you know big money dollars or, or years to a running back. I, I think that they they do a nice job of recycling that position because for the most part they understand that that rep- position is replaceable. Like those guys are kind of a dime a dozen, and you can kind of cycle through them, and that's that's what we know uh, now in, in in today's NFL and the way that things work nowadays. So I like how they handle the running backs position. The one guy that I'm really bullish on, I, I am. I really think Pierre Strong is going to be something. I think we saw enough, especially in that Arizona game, obviously, but even in the Raider game, he had a couple of good carries too. And that West Coast swing last year, uh, for me to be optimistic that Pierre Strong is going to bring something to the table, I want to see Pierre Strong on the field. And I look at a guy like Bill O'Brien, and I, you know, him being uh, the coach that he is, he loves to think about matchups like how like who's a who's a problem like who's a matchup weapon who's a guy that can win foot races or is so quick that a linebacker or safety is not going to be able to cover them in the slot or uh you know coming horizontally across the field this guy is going to win races this way or that way or whatever and I look at a guy like Pierre Strong and I look at that 40 time and everything and I, I just just get that guy the football and try to get that guy into space a handful of times a game it's similar to how everybody feels about Marcus Jones or, or like Taekwon, right? Just right. just get the ball in their hands and see what they can do with it. I think Pierre Strong is going to be a, a really good player for them this year. I'm optimistic that he is just following in a very similar path to a lot of other running backs in that mold, right? The Shane Vereens, the James yeah. Whites, uh, those players, and, and we'll see him year two really take off. And well, You make a good point there. Sorry to cut you off, no, but good. – I've seen a lot of people say, well, if they were good, the Patriots would have played him last year. Yeah. Not necessarily. I know they needed a running back last year. They did. They played Ramondre Stevenson way too much. But yeah. this is just what they do. Even in yep. 2019, I don't remember who it was, but a couple guys got hurt, and they still didn't play Damian Harris, yeah. who was a rookie at the time. Like they, I forget what they did, but they went out of their way to not play rookie Damian Harris. And that was kind of the case last year. I feel like they went out of their way, right? And then, and then in Arizona, they both Strong. had good games. Right, and that's what I was going to say. And right. From what we did see, and I'm not saying they're going to both come in and be pro bowlers right, right away, but from what we saw, I'd say they, they handled themselves. They looked at the least capable. Yeah. So I, I, I don't – if you have if you have like actual football reasons to write them off, I guess we could have that discussion call in. But yeah. simply saying, well, they didn't play last year, so they're not good, that's really – not how it generally works in New England. If you're a rookie yeah. running back, unless you were picked in the first round or your name's Ramondre Stevenson, you don't play. You mentioned James White. 14 touches as a rookie. Yeah. And I remember people were writing him Shane off. Shane Vereen was similar, right? Like He period. had a couple more. I think he had like 50. But he didn't play a ton. He didn't play a ton. As a rookie. Um, But the James White one I always go back to because I remember people were thinking like that year, they used yeah. to whatever it was, third, fourth round pick on this guy. He doesn't play. He's a bust. Yeah, he's a fourth round. You know, he could barely get on the field last year. Yeah. And he turned out okay. Right. So. I'm optimistic about Pierre Strong, and I think that in general, uh, you, you 
you got to hope that at least one of those guys, Harris or Strong, ends up being a good player for you that should at least, at the very least, be able to back up and spell Ramondre Stevenson. Right. Because if you go back and look at the draft last year at running back, Alex, if those guys can't play, then they missed badly at that spot. I mean, it's not just Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. Oh, that was my guy. Right. So, uh, you know, the guy down in Houston, was it uh, Damian Pierce? Pierce. Yeah. Right around that range, too. Should we do this? There's a bunch of guys there, and if they they got one of the guys that can't play, and I think Pierre Strong can play. I think Pierre Strong can play, too. So I'm not saying that he can't. But if they got one of the, those guys that can't play, then we got some questions to ask. So they Pierce was not on the board for them. Uh, at least they took Pierre Strong in the fourth round, like late yeah. in the fourth round. He went early. Uh, his, they missed Hassan Haskins for Michigan, who's yeah. good but not that kind of player. Tyler Algier from BYU. Had who's a good, decent rookie year. Good, I mean, these are power backs. These aren't yeah. receiving backs, but yeah. they're both good players. A um, couple more went. Then they took Kevin Harris. Tyler Beatty I liked. He's in the USFL now, though. Treston Ebner, I liked. I think he's, yeah, he's still on the Bears. And uh, who else? And then Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. Right, so I, I oh. guess I guess Isaiah Pacheco is really the that's one. The especially one. And everybody missed him, but that's the one. Pierre Strong and Isaiah Pacheco, they both had tied for the fastest 40 in the draft, right? And uh, right. running back. So if you're looking for that speed back, that those were kind of your options. It was sort of him or it was Pacheco. Uh, but I, I'm not going down that road because I think he can play. Uh, Montgomery... And James Robinson, I I think, are interesting players for different reasons. I think Montgomery is sort of this uh, mythical creature to a lot of Patriots fans because, uh, frankly, we we hyped him up a lot in the in the uh, training camp. Get it out, training camp last year. Yeah. He had a good camp, and there's a lot of talk. He good in week one, too. yeah. There's a lot of talk about him being a contributor and somebody that was going to step in, maybe not on a James White level of production, but maybe something like a Brandon Bolden level of production, right? Somebody that could at least hold down that receiving back role. And he had some versatility because he played wide receiver and running back in his career in Green Bay. And New Orleans had a similar system, the way they use their running backs in the past game with some conversion there from, from his year before that. So I still am not completely out on Ty Montgomery being a contributor. And I, I think James Robinson, the biggest question with him, it's kind of similar when we get to wide receiver here in a second. Yeah, good call splitting up offense and defense because uh, it's yeah. 240. And we haven't I even gotten you. a receiver uh, yet. Kayshawn Booty, uh, Boutte. Boutte, yeah. It's about injury, right? Like James Robinson tore his Achilles two years ago. You hope that a year and a half removed from that Achilles, he's going to get the juice back. But last year with the Jags and the Jets, quite frankly, he did not have the juice. He did, he just didn't have any uh, any burst to his run, his running game. Yeah. So if he's not going to have that, then I, I think that he could be somebody that ends up not making this team uh, simply just because he – he just doesn't have it, right? Right. Uh, now, uh, a guy like uh, Kevin Harris, I-, I think, should make the team over both those guys that I just mentioned as well. But the other thing you have to remember, and this is like the whole new thing that's really changed the way we do roster projections. Yeah. Who do they have the best shot at getting on the practice squad? Because right. even if Kevin Harris is a better player, they might have a better shot it waving him, getting him to the practice squad, and then they can elevate him yeah. versus a guy like James Robinson who they might lose if they so cut. So James right? Robinson... I mean, and I'm just was, using those two. You can throw a Ty Montgomery in there so or whoever. So he's in but, year five, correct? Yeah. So he might be a vested vet at this point, so he might not pass through waivers. Ty Montgomery definitely doesn't have to pass through waivers. Right. I th- so, think Robinson would. 
it's it's four or five years. I always forget how many years it is. Well, um, it's it's some of it. It's not years. It's, it's like playing time. And yeah, stuff like that too. It's, it's a whole thing. So, anyways, I the biggest thing to me with the running back position, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say same from last year. Um, I, I think it's different, certainly, because Pierre Strong is a much different runner than Damian so it's Harris. Different, but it's the same. It's different in terms <laughs> of their skill sets. I know. I'm, I'm screwing with you. I know, but I, I'm optimistic that Pierre Strong is going to bring a good element, like yeah. something that they they could you really utilize with his his ability, his speed, and and his even his agility in the open field. Like we saw him make some really devastating cuts as well. He's quick and he's got some suddenness to his movements. So I'm I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table. And uh, I think that they still have a really good running back room. I still yep. think that's a strength of this team. Let's do tight ends really quickly, and then we'll take some calls, and we'll spend the next 45 minutes on the wide receivers and the offensive line, which, by the way, they, I think they have 16 offensive linemen. Offensive line and linebackers. That's like half the roster. 16. It's unreal. Uh, tight ends. So in my initial projection, I'll read the tight ends off first. Uh, Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki, uh, Matt Sokol, Scotty Washington, and your guy, Johnny Lumpkin. Uh, I think that's our guy after last week. Don't I think that's <laughs> so? Those are your tight week. ends right now. My roster projection last last week that I did, and I know you did one too. Only had Hunter Henry and Gasicki on the final roster. They that's what they did last year with with Johnny and Henry, and they only had those two guys that made the initial fifty three. To me, it feels like the same thing where those are two veteran guys that you invested some money in, you you invested resources in. Those are the two guys that are going to play, assuming they're yeah. healthy. Nobody else is – I know you like Johnny Lumpkin, Alex, but Johnny Lumpkin – I had him on. Johnny Lumpkin is not is not taking away playing time from Mike Kosicki or Hunter Henry. But let me ask you this. You, we both know the UTFA streak is important to them, that they keep that going. 19 years in a row for a reason. I kind of hope it's not. Like I, I kind of hope no, it's like not – No, do you remember not... what Jacoby Myers said as a rookie that – I think you're the one who asked him this question. Oh. That – a big part of the reason he signed in New England was yeah. they had so, that so streak and he knew he was going to have a real shot to make the team. You think it's important to them because it it, it gravitates toward you know, Right, people it helps them recruit, essentially. Them. UDFA. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, it's yeah. important to them, like, way, oh, right. we've got to do this because right. it's cool. I think right. it's because they can go to a guy and say, 19 years in a row, right. we've had a rookie. And look, they've kind of, you know maneuvered it in the past yeah. like remember the year that Quinn Nordine Quinn Nordine, they had Quinn Nordine and Nick Folk technically on the roster right yeah I think it's something they care about yeah who's the most they got three guys yeah Jordan Helig Malik Cunningham who you hate and uh, oh, you don't hate I don't know say him. that Jordan uh, uh Jordan Helig Malik Cunningham yeah. and Johnny Lumpkin yeah realistically of those three Who's the most likely to make the roster? Yeah, I look, I, I think that there is a definitely an argument, and I, I and, would say, just for better or worse, same, I would say better, because I think right. inherently speaking, production-wise, like how is how is Mike Kosicki worse than Jonas? No, I, I, so <laughs> yeah. I think they're better. Kosicki's an upgrade. Yeah. I also think they might like Scotty Washington, and I'm not yeah. saying that overly shifts it, but if you get, you know, you elevate him off the practice right. squad for a couple games, he gives you he's, something. He's a really interesting, like he's huge. He's, yeah. And he's athletic. No, he, there, there there's... There's a lot of interesting some, parts of his game. a little bit something. So I, I'm not saying he's going to come in and yeah. make a difference. But again, if you elevate him for a couple right. games, he might be able to give you something. But the the thing with Lumpkin to me is I don't think he's going to take playing time away from Hunter Henry or yeah. Mike Kosicki. But what happens when you get in the red zone right. and you want to go with that big formation? Plus, he plays special teams. Yeah, They'll find a role for him. It's not going to be expansive. But yep. again, of those three guys, Healy is just special teams. He's not going to help you on defense or offense. Yeah. Malik Cunningham's role is going to be have to be highly specialized, right? 
or you get a blocking tight end who will help you cover kicks. So it's it's easy. The the, the thing that you just mentioned about his blocking, I think, is important because I look at this group right now. Yeah, and if there's, I I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna call people out by names. I'm not gonna do it. There's some people uh, that feel like Johnny Smith was a really good blocker. I'm not necessarily in that school. I think he was a a, a, a yeah. adequate NFL blocker. Like he was starting caliber in that category. Do I think he was on the scale of starting to Rob Gronkowski? He's definitely just more towards the starting side of things, right? But right. He, he, would, he could hold his own in that respect. Neither Hunter Henry nor Mike Kosicki gives you much in that regard. And I think that Mike Kosicki will be a better blocker here than he has been in the past because I think two things. One, I think they'll demand it out of him. I, d- I think Bill O'Brien will demand it out of him, and Bill will too. And secondly, he's on. He signed a one-year contract for a guy that's been pro- like this is a really prove it year for him. Right. So I think he's going to go right. out there and he's going to give it his all in, in in all phases. But his all doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden going to become you know Mark Bavaro, right? Like he, he's still going to have a some short. So it's a little bit of a low key. A hole in the roster. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's the right. most important thing in the world, but a little bit of a low-key hole in this roster right now is they don't have a, a true difference-making inline blocking tight end, yeah. and they don't have a fullback. So they don't really have that in their repertoire. Like, if they have to go into a period of the season where they really need to pound the rock and run the football effectively, they don't really have that. They don't have that guy. Uh, they don't have a, a traditional fullback like a James Devlin or a Jakob Johnson. They don't have like a versatile blocker more like a Johnny Smith. They don't have the hand in the dirt, you know, third tackle tight end. So the question is, I guess they have 16 offensive linemen. Right. So can one of those offenses, do they do more tackle eligible stuff and, and do they get away with it that way? Or does somebody like your boy Johnny Lumpkin make the roster as – a you know Michael Huma even if it's just for a couple Did I say weeks. It right? I think I got it. Huumanawanui. I think I nailed that. Just for a couple weeks, even if it's you know something that you know, he comes on and, and then they have to pull somebody off IR right. like start season whatever. But he's gonna be around. I think he's gonna yeah. be around. I think he's gonna play. I do. I'm really. That's the one thing that I I I, I know a lot of people are surprised they didn't draft a tight end with tight end one upside, you know, like a Darnell Washington right. or a Tucker Craft or something like that. What I'm Zach Koontz. what I'm like so surprised about is that they didn't even take one of those guys that was more of like a specialized blocking tight end a little bit later. Yeah. You know, they just completely passed on the position altogether. Maybe it's Johnny Lumpkin. Maybe. I, I tell you I think that's he I think he makes the team. I really do. I think he makes the team. I just I keep going back to like if you go into the week and it's Tuesday and you feel like all right, we're playing this defense uh, that's fast. Well, look at week one. Or, or what we think is going to yeah. what's rumored to be week one, maybe, right? Maybe them. But you go into the week and you're just like, this defense is undersized. It's fast, but they're light, and we want to just run them over. Like that's how we're going to play this game. Like you, know, like it's 2018 Super Bowl run, right? Like we're just right. going to run these people over. How do they really get into that personnel right now? With the tight ends that they have, Johnny Lumpkin. With the last lack of fullback, like how do they really do that? If Johnny that's Lumpkin. the game plan, maybe it's Johnny Lumpkin. <laughs> All right, we take some of these calls and then we'll do the uh, the the meaty positions with the wide receivers in the O line. Uh, Max and uh, Seekonk, what's up, Max? 
How you doing, guys? Uh, really enjoy you guys working together. Happy you guys got on Catch Twenty Two after uh, after your upgrade there, Evan. Um, I have Thank a you. question for you guys. I know that Evan, you or sorry, um, Alex, you and you mentioned this with Mike Cadlick. Um, the line for Mac Jones is four thousand yards this season. Yeah, uh, I think something that everyone's missing. Um, is that if you average out Mac Jones over 17 games last year, he was only down about 150, 175 yards. Uh, curious your guys' thoughts. Thanks. No problem. So this is definitely a Cadillac angle. His line, yes. his line is 4,000 yards passing. Yeah, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns. That's a lot. That's the over-under on his yeah. touchdowns, 25. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, last year he had what? Oh, 10? Like 21, but it was in – how fewer games How, um he had 21 passing touchdowns last year that sounds right no is it less than that i feel like it's less than that maybe it was on pace for 21 anyways he had, he had four teams on yeah pace I, for, right for, i knew it was something bad um i took i i said over on yards under on touchdowns i could see that i could see that i i, I like i we were kind of just talking about i I still feel like at their core, and this kind of goes back to like Dante Scarnecchia and Ivan Fears and stuff, so maybe not uh, so much anymore. But I still think at their core, they want to be a team that when it's like third and two from the goal line, they can run the ball. In. Right. Like they don't want, they would rather, in my opinion, they would rather, and I think this is some of their red zone issues that they had last year, uh, that they got too far away from this. When they get first and goal from the five yard line, they'd rather run it three times into the end zone. Right. right and not have to throw it and I think last year they they kind of did get a little pass happy down there and uh that that would be a big bonus I think this year of of getting back to their roots of being a good short yardage running team and being good in the trenches and Adrian Clem and Bill O'Brien yes yeah no I it's I actually think they're they're okay running in from like the five. The, my bigger issue is like the five to the fifteen. Yeah, they, they can't they're in. like mid or high red zone numbers are terrible yeah, yeah. last year. So yeah. and that's why I took the under on touchdowns. I think they're going to get down to like the one or two yard line a bunch and just yeah, in. yeah. All right, so four thousand yards. That seems like a lot. But now I guess with the extra game, it's not it's not quite as much as it used to be. But four thousand yards seems like a lot. He he had was he four thousand his rookie year. Uh, I think he was like just shorty thirty eight hundred as rookie year. Yeah, doesn't that seem like a lot? Well, I mean, in theory, two hundred yards over seventeen games. He was that's eleven more yards per game. Yeah, that's one more completion. And he completed sixty seven percent of his passes. That's pre- I guess that's pretty high. Yeah. Well, look. How about this? We've talked about the and this will segue us into receivers. Yeah. We've talked about how the big difference between Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster is that yard after catchability. Maybe Can that's it. They find 11 more yards per game in Juju creating after he catches the ball. I'll, just to say, yeah. if he hits on those marks, 4,025 touchdowns, we're talking about $40 million a year. Oh, no, they have Mac a quarterback. Jones. No, they have a quarterback, yeah. <laughs> They're talking about they have a quarterback giving Mac happens. Jones Daniel Jones' extension. What we said at the beginning. What did uh, Daniel Jones do last year? He was probably Yeah, right probably pretty numbers, comparable. Right? Hang yeah. on, let's see. They probably just took it right from Daniel Jones' box score. <laughs> probably like 4,000. No, Daniel Jones was actually not even close to that last year. Daniel Jones was 3,215 touchdowns. And he still got Now, he only contract. threw five interceptions. And he ran, a and lot. he ran for like six hundred yards, I think seven hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. So if you, but even if you include the rushing, he didn't get to four thousand yeah. yards. Yeah. Woo. All right, Eldred, what's going on? Hey man, how you doing? Good. Hey. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Question. 
uh, out of the wide receiver spot. Do you think Blader uh, is going to hold up that spot as a special teamer like he's been doing instead of putting somebody in there that can, that can play special teams and maybe contribute and catching passes? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because – Somebody brought brought this up in my mentions yesterday too. I don't I don't think it was you, Elger. I think it was somebody else. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't understand the thinking. Like Slate, so you because they're going to carry at least five wide receivers, not including Matthew Slater, right? Right. So Matthew Slater's spot is not he's not taking up somebody on the wide receivers depth chart. Like he's not. Yeah, he is. How is he talking? They're going to carry. They got a special team, but he's in the wide receiver spot. So, but but they're not carrying yeah, Eldred. What if I told you last year, Bill Belichick? I think it was Bill Belichick. Maybe it was Steve Bel- Belichick referred to him as a safety. Uh, but I, ultimately, what I'm getting at is with Slater, and this is like a real like semantics argument here. They're going to carry five real wide receivers, not including Matthew Slater. Right. They're going to carry five guys at the wide receiver position. Just like every other team. So, he's not going to take anybody's spot at the wide receiver position. Like, that's, like, what I can't wrap my head around. The spots that he's taking up are, you know, guys that are at the back end of the roster. Like, are we all going to – are we all going to lose sleep because Matthew Slater – is taking you know Raleigh Webb's roster spot. Right, that's basically what you're talking about here. Is is Raleigh Webb making the team over Matthew Slater? Right. So they're going to carry five real wide receivers, and if they wanted, and now we can get into it. And thanks for calling, Eldrick, because we, we were going to segue into this anyways. All right. Uh, if they wanted, they could carry six. Like they, could, Matthew Slater is not going to prevent them from carrying five to six to four to whatever wide receiver number right. they want to. They'll figure out the numbers with him in the in the equation. And if you look at like my roster projection, your roster projection, the guys that they are cutting, do you really think that those guys are bringing more to the football team than Matthew Slater? No. Like, do you really believe that they, especially on game day, like not even talking about, yeah, I get it. Like they could maybe keep an Isaiah Bolden or Amir Speed. If you know one of those guys could end up making it and that's a developmental player. But you're developing a mere speed to hopefully develop into Matthew Slater, right? <laughs> so unless he's just better than Matthew Slater at this point, in unless Slater's he's better career, than the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, the only way Slater's not making the team is if he gets into camp and decides he wants to retire. That's it. Right. He's going to be here. It, it, they want special teams guys. He brings that leadership ability. He's going to be here. All right. So that brings that segues us into wide receivers. Uh, they currently have seven wide receivers signed after uh, releasing Lynn Bowden yesterday. Uh, they have seven. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. I have eight. You have eight? Yeah. Who's your eighth? Are you counting Raleigh Webb? No. Oh. Raleigh Webb counts as a special teamer. All right, then Along seven. With Slater. All right. Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Tyquan Thornton, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Kayshawn Booty, uh, Butte, I keep doing that, Demario, Demario Douglas, and Trey Nixon. What did you keep calling Demario Douglas during Shri- the Shrine Bowl week? I don't remember. You couldn't get his name right. I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was uh, Dallas Daniels. He was like oh, the. Uh, you kept getting Dallas Daniels yeah. and Demario Douglas so, mixed so up. DeMario, so Demario, it was like Zay Flowers. So just, I'll just do the tiers. Zay Flowers was the top tier. Yeah. Demario Douglas was the second tier, 
And then Dallas Daniels from where was where did he go again? Uh, Jackson State. Jackson. I thought it was Jackson yeah. State. Jackson State was the third tier, and the Patriots just they didn't only practice the one day. Right. So Demario Douglas and Dallas Daniels were just interchangeable in the slot, and they both had the you know the little Italy alliteration there we go yeah with the d's and every it just i couldn't do it well dallas daniels ended up with the cowboys so the, shout out there to you him. go so i think this is elder's point and, and why he called in and i get it in theory they have six guys that have the talent to be on the roster sorry trey nixon uh six guys that have the talent to be on the roster with realistically five spots they could carry six, but they don't normally well, carry six. Do you six. remember what we did last year? And the reason why they don't normally carry six, just like the reason why they don't normally carry extra bodies elsewhere, is you could relate it and say that it is because they tee Matthew Slater and they keep Cody Davis and they keep Brendan, right? Like they keep the right. guys that are only going to play in the kicking game. But they have, they have a spot for one of the rookies. Do you remember what we least. did last year? We had that big debate about. Who was it? It was Trey Nixon, Christian Wilkerson, and Lil Jordan Humphrey. Yeah. And it was three guys for the fifth receiver spot. Yeah. And then they only kept four receivers. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. So who knows how many they'll keep? I had six on my first roster projection. I had there's a way they can do it. Now yeah. they're gonna have to be thin somewhere else. I had them uh thin on the defensive line. I had them thin at corner. Yeah. But the the what helps them is the six guys we're talking about here who again are and I'm, I have it listed alphabetically so Kendrick Bourne, Kayshawn Butte, Demario Douglas, Devonte Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, Taquan Thornton. Yeah, those six guys all have six pretty different skill sets. If there's yeah. one overlap, it's uh, Kendrick Bourne to Kayshawn Butte. Yeah, but the reality is if Kayshawn Butte plays well enough to earn a roster spot. You can't expose him by waving him because yeah. he will get claimed. Yeah. So, unless they're going to trade Kendrick Bourne, you have Parker, who's really your one true X receiver on the roster. Even the guys yep. we're not talking about here, like they don't have a backup, you know, yeah. roster fodder. They guy. Especially a guy. I mean, you could make the argument that somebody like Taekwon could play the X, but in that that body type, they don't have anybody right, exactly. else. Exactly. Juju is, you know, the slot. Here. He's ma- he's making the team, right? He's making, but, but even still, his. Too. His skill set is – is there another guy on the team that has the same skill set as the team, same prototype of Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster? The he's, big... not as, uh, he's not as thick, but I, I think there is some overlap between – like we just did the, yeah, the slot yeah. receiver Shrine Bowl tier. Yeah. Is Juju Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, Kayshawn Boutte? So a little bit. A little bit of a but tier But, like, I think Juju – Kayshawn Boutte and for – for the role we think they're going to play here – yeah, Kayshawn Boutte and Kendrick Bourne are not the big slots, the power slots that Juju Smith-Schuster is, right? In that yeah. regard, you lose that element. Obviously, Tyquan Thornton's the speed guy. Right. Kendrick Bourne is your kind of move-wide receiver, and yeah. then it, it, Douglas is your, like, speed slot, your shifty yeah. slot, your, or your gadget player. Gadget player, yeah. Right? So it's not like you look at two guys and say, well, they're both competing, even if they're competing maybe for one spot, like you said, yeah. that, that fifth receiver, they're different roles. Right, right. There's not a lot where two guys are competing for the same role. So unless Boutte's excellent, Bourne is bad, and they can trade him. Right. I think there's a real path to them keeping all six. And I think uh, to go back to the exercise, I'll say better at receiver, and I think noticeably. I think they're better at receiver too. I think that I still will pound the table that Juju's a, a, an upgrade over Jacoby Myers, and I'm going to still stick to that. 
for I, what they need. Yeah, he is better. Right. And there are there are spots with, like there's there, there's certainly elements of Jacoby. Jacoby is a better natural separator. So for what it's Juju. worth, I think Juju is a better fit in New England than Jacoby is at this point in time. I think Jacoby's a better fit for the Raiders than Juju yeah. would have been. It, it you really get down to system when you talk about you know these two guys. And and I really think that Jacoby has elements of his game that are better than Juju's. But oh, yeah. but I think Juju's like you said, uh, in particular after the catch, they needed the act right. That's what it comes down to, and, and his ability to create some bigger plays. So that that's I think a big thing. I I am really really excited. Not I'm not. I wouldn't use the word optimistic. I wouldn't use the word bullish. I am excited about to see how Bill O'Brien is going to use Tyquan Thornton. I'm just excited about a real offensive coordinator coming in here and having a guy with 4-2-8 speed like that can run like that. How does he get him off the line of scrimmage? How does he use him in motion? How does he use different alignment tricks like stacks and bunches and things like that to get him off of press coverage or away from contact in the first you know five to ten yards of the route? There's a lot of potential there uh, for Bill O'Brien to create foot races for Tyquan Thornton going this way, going that way, going up the field, going horizontally across the field that could really make Tyquan Thornton an, an extremely fun player for the Patriots. And I'm not going to put yards and touchdowns and catches on it. I don't know how productive it's going to be, uh, but I think that there's going to be a lot of elements in that. For that reason, I'm really uh, thinking this could be a lot better. If if I'm if Bill O'Brien can get Tyquan uh, to be the player that was a game changer at Baylor using similar tricks of the trade. I think that they have a really, a really fun room uh, in that regard. The we ro- have uh, uh, breaking schedule news from the Patriots Twitter account itself. Oh, what's that breaking? The Patriots will play here this season. It's a picture of Gillette stadium. Oh, that, oh, that was a good one. Cause people correct. have like the alerts on their phones. So they're going to yeah. see breaking the Patriots will play here. Wow. And they'll click it. It's going to be a picture of Gillette. That's well done. Good job. Neil and Veronica. Is that good job that tricking is? everybody. Uh, I like that. It's funny. That's my kind of humor. It's funny. Anyways. So, also, shout out to the guy in the comments who says we're not entertaining. That's entertaining. Someone said we're not entertaining? Some guy is very upset. That first, he said we're, uh, we're not entertaining. We don't know anything. Oh. And now the other people in the chat have talked him down to just we're not entertaining. Which oh. it, I, I will admit, the show gets a little dense at times, but I think that's why people are that's here. That's the point. Yeah, that's exactly. The point. If you want entertaining, then, you know, not, not the place for you. We're, yeah. we're, we're talking football here. It's entertaining to, to a certain kind of person. Okay. Uh, the rookies. The argument to me for keeping both rookies, I, I have a hard time thinking that both rookies are going to fully play themselves into roster spots. I, I think somebody else would have to have a bad camp. It's being too realist, uh, too optimistic. Yeah. They're six-round picks for a reason. I think it would be really optimistic to think both guys are so good in camp. Well, nope, nope. No, but nope, well, what nope. is the reason Keishon Boutte is a six-round pick? reasons we know the reasons i know we know the character reason. concerns injury concern demario douglas i love as a player yeah. we know that but at the bottom line is is that he's small and undersized and making a big leap in competition there is a chance that his play strength and his ability to run through contact isn't good enough for who this else, play. you know who else was small and undersized and oh, no. uh uh leap in play strength and something competition whatever the hell you just said what marcus jones 
Yes, but that's what Demario Douglas's role is going to be. I think. Yeah, and I and I I really am high on him. I, yeah. I think he's going to be a good player here. I'm just saying that it's very optimistic to think both of those guys are like studs in training camp to the point where they're both they have to make the team. Right, you right. can't part with either of them. The argument to me uh, that's better for it is that you really don't have very much on your contract past this year at that position. Right. So. Just looking at those two guys as developmental pieces in the pipeline for 2024 and beyond, I think is important because uh, Devontae Parker is a free agent after this year. Kendrick Bourne's a free agent after this year. You have Juju, you have Tyquan, and that's it. Yeah. In terms of proven NFL talent. Well, and I think I know, that's it. I think Trey Nixon's in the last year. Yeah, and I, and I know Tyquan proven NFL yeah. talent is a little strong right now. but A guy with potential. Guy, guy that it, it was a second-round pick. Yeah. So Tyquan's going to be here in 2024. Juju's going to be here in 2024, and that's it. So if you're looking at the depth chart next year, uh, one of these rookie wide receivers is going to be kept regardless. But keeping both of them and keeping six or carrying six or trading Kendrick Bourne or trading Devontae Parker in the summer to keep five, including both rookies, there is a, a contract argument to be made there. Uh, that they need, they just need bodies for 2024. They just need to have guys around uh, that have been in the system, that have played football here for 2024. I'm not ready to put six on the roster. I I cut booty. I did. I know that was is tough to do because I think that it could go either way with him. Demario Douglas feels like an easier projection to me. It just feels I know what he is and yeah. what he isn't, and there's a role for him on the team as that Marcus Jones gadget player type of guy in year one. If Kick they, return or two. Yeah, if they want to use him in that capacity. Uh, Kayshawn Boudé is, like you were saying, a little bit redundant to guys like Juju and, and certainly Kendrick Bourne. He's going to have to push Kendrick Bourne either completely off the roster or just at least push him for playing time to make the team. Like He's going to have to be yeah. really, really uh, in Kendrick Bourne's uh, rearview mirror. I just think even if there's not a 2023 football reason for keeping Kayshawn Boutte, I think exposing him is risky. And you remember, you burned that contract. You cut him. He's no longer yeah. signed for four years. Now you have to keep signing him to futures deals and right. becomes an ERFA, an RFA. Yeah. I think you got to find a way to hold on. Now, there's, you know, there's also injuries are going to happen. It's right. unfortunate. So maybe there's another way it happens. But even if you don't think both of those guys are going to be lockdown contributors this year, and I, I think. Douglas will contribute some. I think Boutte can contribute maybe more in 2024, 2025. But if you think those guys are going to be pieces, that four-year contract is valuable. Especially in a sixth-round four-year contract. Right. I think in that sense alone, they find a way to keep both guys on the roster, even if yeah. they have to do some serious juggling. I think yeah. they're going to keep six receivers this year. That, it's, a, it's a good point. It's a, the contract and, and the longevity of the other contracts in that room. We talked to Matt Groh, I don't know if it was during the draft or before the draft, when he mentioned it would be foolish to not look ahead at, at contract situations for 2024 right. and beyond when you're drafting. Oh, and, you have to. And certainly some of the drafts, the picks that they did make, I know they didn't in certain spots like tackle and tight end, but an interior offensive line, they certainly have it, the pipeline ready for Oh, it, they're stocked. They're, yeah. they're ready to go for if Mike Onwenu walks, if David Andrews retires, like they got guys. So they, they definitely looked at it in some places, and I think the six-round receivers are potentially guys – that, that they look at as 2024 and beyond assets as well uh, to keep around. So are you better on wide receivers? I'm better on Oh, yeah, no, I, I I think noticeably better. I think yeah. both in the short term and in the long term. I know people are down that they didn't take a receiver high in the draft, but sorry, I just saw the Patriots pop up on the uh, yeah, network there. No. Oh, the, that's the old uh, news. 
The Tom Brady thing. Yeah. Awesome. Can, Very excited. We can touch on that in a No, second. you listened to public service announcement 10 times <laughs> today on the drive. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I think they're, they're better short and long term. All right. You ready for me to read the 16, 16 offensive linemen I the Patriots see, wait, currently have under contract? Can I try to do it by One, memory? Six. Can I try to do it by memory? Yeah, I mean, you probably have a different order than me, so this might be hard, but go ahead. Well, uh, you have the depth chart, right, I'm guessing? I'm, I have my version of it, yeah. Okay, so um, at tackle, you yeah. have Trent Brown, yep. Riley Reef, yep. Calvin Anderson, yep. Andrew Stuber. Yep. Um, Riley Reef, Calvin Anderson, Andrew Stuber. At guard, you have... You're missing some tackles, but you're I know I am. Over. Trent Brown, rather. Okay, we don't have time okay, for this. Okay, just, yeah, go ahead. Trent Brown, Yannick Juiced, James Ferentz, Jason Hines, Bill Murray, Mike Onwenu, Cody Rusi, Cole Strange, Andrew Stuber, Calvin Anderson, Connor McDermott, Riley Reef, David Andrews, Jake Andrews, City Sow, and Antonio Moffitt. Oh, I miss Connor McDermott. 16 offensive linemen under contract. Yeah, but it's really three positions. That's only like okay. uh, Adrian five Clem. players for, per position. Do you think that they like have to go and do their like their their meetings in like the auditorium or something like that? Like, Do you think the O-line room is big enough for 16, 320-pound human beings to sit in one room? Well, look, if they do the tackles meeting, that's only six players, right? <laughs> um, I, how many linemen did they have last year? At this point? I don't know about at this point. They only ended up carrying eight, eight or nine guys last year on the initial roster. No, but at one point they had like four or five on the practice squad. Yeah, it's a lot. So it's always a lot. It's always. A, it's, I think what's different about this year in t- in terms of it being a lot is that there there's so much uncertainty at tackle that they might just carry the bodies just to have different bodies to throw yeah. at it, right? Like there's because there's no real concrete other than I think Trent Brown, who after they didn't draft a tackle early, I think it's safe to say that Trent Brown is is now on this team. Like I understand that there's cap things yeah. that tra- they could cut Trent Brown and save some money or trade Trent Brown and save some money. They don't without drafting a tackle in the top fifty. Uh, they they got a, Trent Brown's the only guy that's played NFL games for a long period of time and done well. And here's the league. thing: besides, I guess Riley Reef. When we were yeah, Riley Reef for a long yeah, time. Yeah. When we were talking about like back in March, yeah. right? Oh, if they cut Trent Brown, it's whatever it is, seven to ten million. I apologize, Pat's gap. If I got yeah. it wrong, I got yeah. it wrong all spring. Yeah. Um, the idea was they're going to take that seven to ten million. And use it in free agency to add right. a tackle or a and then draft or a tackle in the first round. Right. And remember, yeah. remember, sign one, draft one. Yeah, those are the days. <laughs> that they did draft one, Alex. They drafted City South. They That's did. Your, You're right. Yeah. You're right. I should yeah. be. I, I stand corrected. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's nobody they can sign now, but yeah, seven to ten million dollars means a lot more in March than it does right. in May. Yeah. Right. So at this point, are you going to be? Can those seven to ten million dollars make you a better team? with players other than Trent Brown, just based on who's available, unless they're maybe opening up money for some sort of trade or something, which, what is we're, that even going to be? getting into a right. rabbit hole. Here. How do they do that? So I think Trent Brown's safe at this point. Okay, so the the, the drill is better or worse, Sam. I do think it, it's a little bit confusing with this because there's so many bu- na- names and some are tackles, some are guards, some are centers, some are tackles slash guards. Some You know, it, it's all over the place. But I think the biggest thing that I would say... I'm going to say that I'm going to talk. I'm going to contradict myself because I'm allowed to do that. I think they're better on paper, but I have some real legitimate concerns about this, about this tackle group. Some real concerns that I, I am fearful just like last year when right tackle 
And at times, let's face it, with Trent Brown, left tackle too, Alex, was a little bit up and down. I am concerned that this is going to be the demise of this offense. Not pass catchers, not the, la- not the oh, they don't have the number one receiver, <laughs> like none of that. My biggest concern right now is protection, pass protection mainly. I think they'll figure out how to get it blocked up in the run game. And I think a lot of that assignments is so important when it comes to that. And I think Bill O'Brien and Adrian Clem being here, it will be so much cleaner in terms of mic points and angles and yeah. who has who and that sort of thing that I think their run game is going to be fine. Uh, pass protection and tackle play in pass protection is a big concern of mine. I think a main reason is, is because I think they're rolling with Riley reef at right tackle. And I had serious range and foot speed concerns with him based off of his film last year with Chicago. And now we're even a year ahead of that. We look at reportedly, reportedly the matchup in Week One. Yeah, which reportedly, reportedly is the Philadelphia Eagles, and reportedly, reportedly, and Riley Reef against Hassan Reddick. <laughs> like that's a mismatch, right? And then the next week he goes up against Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, and then the next week it's gonna you know could be Von Miller and and Greg Rousseau with Buffalo. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many of these talented edge rushers. We know, statistically speaking, that Mac Jones is, like all quarterbacks, regresses under pressure, but Mac in particular last year had a ton of issues against the Blitz and a ton of issues with pressure. Now, with a better coordinated attack and better uh, hots and better Blitz pickups and, like, all, yeah, it should be cleaner. We get all that. I'm very – I'm not, like, that bullish on this offensive line group. I am coming around on some of the rookies – I think that some of these rookies can play in spots that they you know, have skill sets that yeah. fit spots that they need. Uh, you know, Antonio Maffi, I think, is a classic. Uh, if they don't end up paying Mike Onwenu, like he's going to start at right guard in 2024, and he's going to be a fine player for them. City Sal is exciting. You know, I, I watched some of his film. Uh, poor UMass, I really <laughs> learned like the difference between. City Sal and and the guys they had there. Well, he, I think he he legitimately, I think really did some damage to him and demario douglas demario douglas had a monster umass UMass. yeah poor you probably tells you a lot about that program but uh city sow does Mm. have some some suddenness some movement skill some uh foot speed certainly i still look at him though and still i still see a guard i still see a guard ideally but i guess in theory They've moved that player to right tackle before. It's Mike Onwenu. It's to a degree Marcus Cannon, right? Marcus Cannon is a right. little bit taller than Onwenu. Marcus Cannon's a big guy. I, I, I didn't realize you know, Cannon's like 6'5", 330. Yeah. So he's, you know, Onwenu's stouter. He's, you Wait, know, Onwenu's like 6'1", 6'2". Yeah. City South's a little bit closer to that with Marcus Cannon. So I think City South can play tackle. At right tackle. Certainly not a left tackle in this system, but I think you could play right. It's a lot of bodies, and we'll see what ends up happening in camp. And the last one I'll, I'll mention, because I, I was higher on them when they made the two free agent signings, and I think Riley Reef has gotten a lot of buzz as kind of the guy because of his experience and his steadiness and his leadership and all that. Right. I really like Calvin Anderson as a player. And Calvin Anderson, to me, is the guy that – could allow you if he has a good camp and he looks the part and all that kind of stuff calvin anderson could be the guy that allows you to move trent brown right back to the right side because calvin anderson's an athlete Uh, you know that's the one thing that he certainly has foundationally really really good athlete 
Uh, great explosiveness out of his stance. He's got the range. He's just inconsistent with his technique. If they can coach him up and Adrian Clem can get him to be more consistent, uh, he's a left tackle. So you could play him on the left side, Trent on the right side. That could steady things maybe a little bit more. Uh, but better or worse or same on the offensive line, and uh, you know, it's confusing. There's is it a lot we- of names. Is it weird that I feel better about him? And I that doesn't mean I don't have concerns. I very much have concerns. I echo a yeah. lot of what you said about the tackle position. Yeah. But Isaiah Wynn just didn't have it last year. and Their right tackles were, were terrible. Right. And Connor McDermott, like, Connor McDermott was saved, serviceable. But, sa- Connor McDermott saved the day. And he was replacement a, level. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Marcus Cannon loved him when he was at the Patriots. was a great player. He's not that guy anymore. So yeah. they have options. It's almost like the running back thing. Although I said worse at running back, I guess. I, I don't, but they didn't have the options last year. Like right. if they, There was no Damian Harris at the tackle position last yeah. year. Just that sturdy veteran that you know maybe wasn't great, but got you third. I guess that's what Connor McDermott was, but not to the yeah. same level. I think, they, so, I think they hope that that's what Riley Reef is. I think so. Like Again, like they didn't have a guy like Riley Reef. They didn't have a guy like Calvin Anderson last year. After Trent Brown, you were really just going with, you know, you really just kind of hoping. And it I'm not saying that... Yadney could just, Isaiah right. win... I'm not saying that Riley Reef or Calvin Anderson is necessarily great, but if you're going to take a lottery ticket, I think they're better lottery tickets than what they had last year. Yeah. So I, I do feel, I don't feel great. I don't even know if I feel good. Yeah. But I do still feel better than last year, which maybe shows how bad their offensive line was at times last year. Yeah. That it's, it's really a, it's kind of remarkable that, and they feel good about this tackle room. They told us, they've told us right to our faces. Yeah. Macro said it. Macro said it. And I, I think that, you know, Belichick said it too when he he mentioned that all the offensive additions in free agency and they didn't really add to the defense in free agency, and that's why you got uh, the defensive picks at the top of the draft instead of offense. But in general, they feel good about this tackle room. I think that they think it's, that they're better on paper there than maybe the outside noise suggests. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt going into the year because maybe they know something that we don't shocker and maybe right. they they're you know seeing it differently shocker and uh I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt but on paper from the outside looking in it, it it looks like a group that has a lot of names but doesn't really have a lot of guys that you can fully count on if you were to configure their starting five right now on the offensive line this i think is the best way to do it yeah you know who's starting at center. Yeah. You know who's starting at left guard. Yeah. And barring something weird happening, you probably know who's starting at right guard too. And when I say you something You know one weird, of the guys who's starting on the right side. And when I say starting at right guard, barring something weird happening, I mean if on when who ends up being some sort of a trade situation, which I don't think is going to happen, you know who's starting at right guard. And I think you know that Trent is starting at one of the tackle spots. That other tackle spot's wide open. It could be – you could tell me right now it would be Riley Reef. Riley, Riley Reef. That's going to be out. a tough one. Get it out. Good you job. could tell me that it was going to be City Sal at this point. <laughs> you could tell me it would be Mike Onwenu and they're going to play one of the, the rookies at guard, right? Like you right. could tell me all sorts of different configurations and I would believe you. And I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing. And this is the one sort of biggest – I'd say maybe even more so than wide receiver that I have with their current roster – is I want an offensive line. Like, I miss the days when we got into camp, Alex, and we just knew who the starting offensive line was. Right. Those were the days. Like, that. that was that's what you want because you don't want to talk about your offensive line. 
If you're talking about your offensive line more times than not, it's because it's a weakness. You don't usually talk about an offensive line that's that doesn't give you a lot of reasons to talk about them. So we'll see what ends up happening. Hopefully they're right and, and we're all wrong about the tackles and ends up being good. These rookies are interesting players, though. I, I did uh, Jake Andrews and Antonio Maffi. We have profiles up on them now. We talked to some of their coaches. Uh, Mike did City Sal. Uh, but with Jake Andrews, I, I think a couple of things just quickly that his coaches told me about him. He's a, a really, really good high school wrestler. Like, I love that. Uh, All-American and uh, state champion in Alabama. Was Cope in the one who was the college wrestler? Well, Stephen Neal. Stephen Neal, that's what I'm thinking of. Stephen Neal, yeah. yeah, was like the Famously. elite college wrestler. So he yeah. was an all-time, uh, you know, kind of almost like a legend wrestling in, in Alabama. And was a really good uh, offensive lineman to all state, all that kind of stuff in Alabama. So all state football. Right. And uh, he went to Troy, which I get isn't, it's not Alabama. It's not Georgia. I get that. But uh, he's got that, that wrestling, not only from a technique standpoint that he's got that, uh, you know, understands the rules of engagement and leverage and like all that kind of stuff. But he's also uh, just got that like snarl and that, that, that grittiness and that toughness. He's a really strong, stout player. And I think that he he's definitely going to be somebody that uh, factors in at center in the long term. And I look at Antonio Maffi, basically a carbon copy of Mike Unwenu from a body type standpoint, how he's built, uh, played nose tackle, switched over to guard, now plays guard, uh, really just block of a man. <laughs> like yeah. just massive dude, powerful, strong, a lot like Mike Onwenu. So I can see where they're going with all those picks. So we'll see what ends up happening. Interior team. They might have the best interior line depth in the league after taking three of them (laughs) in the draft. Like nobody's got more guards than the Patriots. Uh, So we'll see how that ends up happening. Uh, Really quickly before we sign off, Alex, uh, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady coming back uh, for the Patriots uh, opener, home opener? It sounds like it's going to be week one. Sounds like rumored. Not confirmed. Well, it's going to be the home opener, whatever it is. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like that's going to yeah. be in week one is, is, is what I was getting at. Uh, okay. T- Tom Brady uh, coming back, the prodigal son returning. Uh, how, how do you feel about it? I mean, you remember when we were doing shows when, when we first started working together and he left. My whole thing with him leaving is like, I don't necessarily mind watching him in another uniform. Yeah. My issue was, you look at Peyton, right, where, where Peyton Manning's now more part of the Broncos than the Colts, even though he, you know, is the greatest player in Colts history. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to lose Brady in that sense. I yeah. want him to be a Patriot for life. And look, we're probably going to have to share him with Tampa to some extent one way or the other. But coming back for something like this is big. I'm glad he's doing it. I'm really glad he's doing it. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a really fun day. Uh, you know, hopefully they, they play up to it. Yeah. Um, the other question here is like, do they wear the throwback uniforms? And then do we, because they normally give the guy the jersey, right? But right. They'll give him the current jersey. Yeah. They won't give him the one with, like, the silver shoulders, right, the Dynasty era. Do we get to see him in the Pat Patriot throwback one last time? That could be cool. So, no, I, I'm super excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think – I'm it, glad he's doing it. I'm glad the team's doing it. Yeah. Uh, Robert Kraft seemed super excited about it on NFL Network this morning, which, I mean, of course he is, yeah. but, like, it was kind of cool to see that. Like, oh, it felt like a high school reunion, so <laughs> – Cool. Um, looking forward it's a to better it. Better than a high school reunion. You know, you know what I mean. But that, I, like, I think a, a couple of things. On when it. you see these people hanging out together, you haven't seen hung out together in years, and it's yeah. like, oh yeah, no, we used to have all these together. great times together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like I imagine how my parents feel 
uh, when my high school friends like come back around, like you know, if we're like all home for Thanksgiving that's a good, or, that's some, a good or something like that, and like all in my you know the people, the my high school friends that like grew up in my house as kids and stuff like that, my parents get all excited when they when those people are around. Uh, really quickly, the with Brady, I think it's two things for me. One, it's great that there we are opening the door to him being a part of the Patriots again with this. Yes. It's not going to be the only thing. It's certainly – I don't even think it's going to be the biggest thing. I think that there's going to be bigger monumental type of uh, moments or ceremonies, you know, Patriots Hall of Fame. Well, Jersey, I think even Kraft said kind of that, right? Yeah, jersey retirement. This is – You don't think they'll retire his jersey when he's here? I was kind of hoping that they would. I, I don't know anything. So okay. I, I just want to put that out there because I think sometimes people think that, you know, we we know things around here about this type of stuff. I, I don't know anything about that. I don't think so. I, I think that this is – remember after the COVID year, they brought Julian Edelman back and they just allowed – they just gave him a moment at halftime and allowed yeah. the crowd. That's what this is, I think, in theory. So Jersey retirement – I wouldn't rule out them announcing that they are retiring his jersey because that's a given. It's a, that's an easy one, right? So I wouldn't rule that out. But I think that ideally, they have separate occasions for all of these things. You know, this is just kind of a a way to bring bring him back and reintroduce him back into the Patriots uh, organization, and and also just to quite frankly show him off right to the yeah. fans a little bit yeah. and get fans fired up. Then I think there's going to be jersey retirement. And then there'll be Patriots Hall of Fame. Now, there could be a situation where the Patriots Hall of Fame voting and all, it might not go through the typical hoops for the Patriots Hall of Fame. I feel like they got to put him in, like, specially. For two reasons. One, it's silly to put Tom Brady up against, like, poor Logan Makins and Bill Parcells in a fan vote because yeah. it's just going to be a hundred. Like, it, oh, my God. The takes from you if it's Brady against Parcells. It'll just be like. It'll be 99% Brady because some trolls will vote for right. somebody else just to throw off the numbers. But obviously he's going to win in a in a absolute landslide in a fan vote. So it's kind of unfair almost in a way to put yeah. two guys up against him in a fan vote like they traditionally do. And then secondly, he does deserve it, of course, to be you know just put right in and not right. gone through the whole voting process. So I think that's in play. I think that there will be some sort of um, statue road named after, like something like that, right? That's around the stadium. That's sort of a, a, a showing, you know, love to Brady in some sort of way. Um, so th- there'll be a bunch of different check marks here. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of different benchmarks here of what they're going to do with him. So that that's great. But this is to me is really just like the first step of hopefully many steps uh, right. to, to honor Tom Brady um, from this point on. So uh, that'll be fun. Let's just really quickly, really, really quickly. Let's do better or worse the same rapid fire here just so that everybody that just listened to us talk about 1,700 different <laughs> names for an hour and a half knows where we're at. So quarterbacks were both – are we better? We're, we're, I said very, very slightly worse if I have to Worse. I think I said same. Okay. I didn't know same was an option. Yeah, better or worse, same. All right, just keep going. Running backs, I said better. You said worse with potential to be better. <laughs> Can you not walk the fence one time? You said you worse. You picked same. That's the most walking the fence. Uh, yeah, at least I admit it out loud. All right, worse. W- wide receiver were both better. Noticeably better. Tight ends were both better. Better. 
offensive line were both better. Better, yeah. They got better in some places. Yeah. They did get better. Yeah. See how much it matters in a couple months. But we'll be back next week, and we'll talk about the schedule in its full capacity once yeah. we have it tonight. So next week we'll do a, a schedule recap and, and go over some of the, the usual things, you know, the, the the meat of the schedule and the bye week and Christmas and all that type of stuff. And we'll also do a better, worse, same for the defense, which I think is a little bit easier, quite frankly, than the, the offense. There's a lot of names. Defensively, I think it's a little bit easier. So we'll do that next week as well. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. And we'll see you guys next Thursday. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.